0: Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be discussing the 2020 film I'm Thinking of Ending Things. This will contain spoilers.
1: Okay, so this is written by Charlie Kaufman. I think it's directed by Charlie Kaufman as well, isn't it? Yeah. Who wrote our second highest rated film, being John Malkovich. So we were quite excited for this one. And the plot, uh, I, I just want to say you should watch this before listening to the podcast. It's on Netflix. Uh you know, just just watch it, and you'll get what's going on, and there won't be any spoilers. So, it's about a woman with her boyfriend, Jake. She goes to meet his parents at their farmhouse, and then when they get there, there's a lot of awkward conversations, and things are slightly off. Like, at first, uh, the dad's plaster moves places, but then when she starts moving around, it feels like time is kind of behaving weirdly like her parents keep fluctuating in age and get dementia and then are suddenly young again and like he sees she sees her boyfriend's mum die and everything seems to be a bit odd there's a bit with like the jake's baby food on the nightgown and stuff like that so obviously she wants to get out as quickly as possible and then they spend quite a while on the road back from the house and stop off at a an ice cream shop where something is also off as well, because there's that girl that says, like, "Uh, you don't have to go, you can stay here and, like, not let ta- time move or something. Yeah. And after, when they don't want their ice creams, Jake takes her to his old high school to throw them in a bin, <laughs> which is a bit <laughs> weird. Um, and then he kind of goes out because... He thought he saw someone looking at them and then she goes out to look for him when he doesn't come back for a while. Gets lost in the school. The janitor kind of comes up who's been popping up randomly throughout the film and finds her and she talks to him and you kind of realise the janitor is Jake because of the slippers and he has the same mannerisms as well. And there's like a weird ballet scene which must be the janitor hallucinating which transitions into Jake receiving some kind of award for what he did and then he sings a musical number from what I assume is Oklahoma which has been mentioned uh, in the film before and then the film ends so it's very odd.
0: Yeah I think Mm. one thing about this film is that it's very much up to interpretation and a lot of it's quite ambiguous which also sounds like because it's based on a book which we'll probably get onto it sounds like it's maybe less so of that in the book like it might it's maybe a bit more clear of what happens um and i guess because of that nature um you may agree with some of the, you may agree or disagree with some of the stuff that's been said and it's not necessarily well it's designed to be talked about but not everyone will feel the same way about it
1: yeah i think it's interesting having looked at what the book's ending is. I think it does, it sounds like it clarifies things too much. I like to the open ending of, I'm thinking of ending things, so should we talk about what we thought happened?
2: Yeah, so (laughs) the ending of the film sort of, well, I think it's worth mentioning that it seems, none of us have read the book, but from the summaries online, it seems to be that it's very similar to the book for at least most of the plot and it sort of veers off towards the ending because the originals in the original's ending um so they go to the school to drop off the the cup um and basically she the girlfriend finds the, the janitor but gets lost and then relives traumatic childhood experiences um and then she like gets really confused um and eventually realizes that she is Jake or is like part of him a figment of his imagination and the so, the twist is that um he really did meet her cuz it says in earlier on that uh, the way they met was they were in a bar during a trivia night and he was too scared to ask for a number. And it turns out that that did happen and he regrets that. And so sort of imagined a life with her and wrote about it in loads of these notebooks. Um, and anyway, the, the janitor then, uh, finds her and she says that she's thinking of ending things. Um, And kills herself, basically. So, sort of ending the fantasy. And... uh, At the very end, it's revealed that he... Jake, as the janitor, has died. And people haven't found out what's going on. um, And only were able to piece things together through, like... Jake's notebooks. And the film... So, this ending in the book was criticised because it was... It was too convenient, basically. It was it was it was interesting, but it was really it was too convenient and um it says the uh, the the book was trapped by its own lure and narrator too flimsy to feel real and the main criticism is when you read reread it um it'll give the text new meaning, but obviously most people aren't going to reread it it's not that sort of a story so the film helps for a different, slightly more open-ended ending, which is basically just that it's focused more on the janitor and his deterioration, his mental breakdown. He hallucinates the the pig that was mentioned on the farm um, with the maggots eating it alive, and then he goes into this hall and there's a, a musical number where he's been given a Nobel Prize and all of the people who are important to him are there, and it's the film ends. It doesn't explicitly say he's like died, but it just shows the janitor's car with, iced over with snow, and it never explains what happens. So it's more up to interpretation, I guess. We could go into what we think our interpretation of it is. Yeah. Uh. So I I think I prefer the ending of the film
1: because I kind of worked it out without having to have this explicit like oh, here is my character, I am now killing myself, and now it is definite that I was a figment of this guy's imagination. Because I think we can't... I kind of said it right, maybe, or one of us did. Yeah. That it was the janitor all along, because obviously it was Jake, and it had been flicking to him. And there was a point where Jake said instead that they'd met when she was a waitress at a restaurant, which the janitor had been seen watching a film with that in and also at one point when they're in the car um, the woman who's called like different points Lucy, Lucia, Louisa Ames uh, she's kind of replaced with that actor just for a few seconds so you can work out that it's his imagination and from that I think it's kind of uh, I think it's got themes of Well, I mean, quite morbid themes of maybe death and mortality. That's one that I got because there's the whole speech about the inevitability of death and that hope is made up and all this stuff, which is quite depressing. Um, And then there's also themes of, of decay go along with that. And Jake's dad talks about dementia and kind of losing the plot a bit. And that seems to be in the film as well because of the girlfriend's like constant changing what she studies what her job is how they met and things like that so dementia could be a bit of a theme and how that works and just the constant changing of characters and rooms between scenes and you know they might be trying to recreate what that experience is like Um, and I'm sure there was another one another thing I'd thought of of what it could you're talking about but I can't remember It's so rip.
0: I mean, from what I've heard from the book, it definitely seems like the, t- the book and the film are sort of independent entities, and although they sort of share themes, I think a lot of what uh, went into the writing of the film was sort of meant to be separate from the book, because obviously there's references and stuff throughout to events that do happen in the book, but at the same time, a lot of the, like ineffable aspects in the film can't necessarily be explained by the events in the book so like it wouldn't necessarily explain the um unrealistic and non-linear um scenes in the house that wouldn't really be yeah. explained by the fact that he never actually uh, like well he met her but it he, he didn't go any further than that um I don't know if anyone will really know this reference, but there's an Inside Number Nine episode called 12 Days of Christine, which a lot of people say is like one of the best episodes. And that's basically this jumbled up retelling of. You eventually find. I mean, spoilers for (laughs) this episode, but you eventually find out that the woman in it has died. I think in a car crash, right? And it's sort of. Um, like everything flashing in front of her eyes before she died, and it's it's this. Nothing's in order, and at the start, I definitely felt that this was sort of reminiscent of that. But as it went on, it took a different approach.
1: Yeah, I think because it it doesn't, and it's not the life flashing before his eyes or whatever. I think it's what he kind of imagines his life could have been, I suppose, because yeah. saying that maybe he feels limited by his kind of social awkwardness and he's fantasizing about what he could have done but feels uh, trapped in a way. And it talks about, his Mum mentions, like control at one point, that he can be a bit controlling and that that's maybe what he wanted. He's very pedantic and he's like correcting
0: minute details and sort of, he's quite arrogant at times.
2: Yeah, that whole dinner table scene was painful to watch, I guess. Um, Yeah. Somehow, yeah, just somehow Kaufman managed to completely encapsulate the awkward dinner table scene with a son who doesn't, really like his parents but is introducing his girlfriend to him anyway but with a menacing sinister undertone to that so obviously there were like all those awkward laughs especially with the mother um, who had a habit of laughing a lot um, when she got nervous and that was kind of funny to watch but also unnerving because you don't know the reason she's nervous and everything
1: yeah it's like laughing at cringe mm. It's yeah, cringe moments, and you kind of just laugh to break the tension. And <laughs> it, it, it's so uncomfortable, uh. but you you can't stop watching. I mean, there's loads of scenes like that in this that it's just so gripping and awful because it's kind of a psychological. It's quite psychologically terrifying the events in it and just scary. There's a and there's a lot of scenes where you feel trapped in the room with them or trapped in the car, and this is really helped by the fact that it's it's all in a four by three ratio, so. Yeah. It's not got the wide screen, so you you can't really see too far on either side. You don't have that peripheral vision, and you feel very confined. And it that also helps with there's there is some music in it which serves very well, but there's also a lot of silence that mm. it kind of the silence almost emphasises the awkwardness between uh, talks where they just stop and pause. And again, you can, you feel enclosed in this space and there's nothing to alleviate the tension.
2: Yeah. That, um, the use of long shots as well, that really helps build that sense of feeling confined because the camera is moving so slowly into, well, in one case, for example, there was, uh, the girlfriend was by the door and the camera slowly panned into the living room. but you obviously can't see anything out the corner of your eye. Right. You can't see her. You can't see what could just be to the left of you because of the, the restrictive aspect ratio. And the fact that it's very slow and painstakingly taking the time to make this shot, which ultimately doesn't go anywhere, really just brings that sense of feeling trapped, I guess. Yeah. Well,
0: to me, I think it was sort of an exploration of human reactions to a lot of things. Like, um, obviously, like obviously the reactions to not necessarily tension, but just sort of awkward moments. Also yeah. the, like, feeling that you have to search for meaning, which often isn't actually there. And, like, the long shots, the confined vision and the minimal use of music sort of embraces that authentic in the moment feel because obviously none of these aspects like you don't have a soundtrack in real life so it's it's meant to just sort of encapsulate um a human reaction to these circumstances
1: yeah and i just want to say about the long shots i mean that it isn't massively prominent they're used when effective so it doesn't become a kind of gimmick But when they're used, it's really good. There's kind of a slow... The camera creeps towards girlfriend in one shot and, you know, there's a lot of slow pans. So when when they're used, they are uh, really good.
2: Yeah. I guess when you were talking about um, searching for meaning when there isn't anything there, I kind of felt that... Yeah, that sort of makes sense. The film's not just... But the film's not just exploring in the characters, it's also sort of teasing you as the viewer in a way. So, for example, um, just throughout the film, I was constantly, and as as I'm sure you are as well, um, just trying to piece things together. And it was constantly throwing us these, like, bits of bait, like, is this swing that keeps coming up or um, the, like... The house and the passing of time going wrong and these scratches on the door and when they're at the uh oh, I've forgotten what it's called, the, the clown place.
1: The Tulsi Town.
2: Yeah, when they're at Tulsi Town there's the girl with a bruise and the uh the boyfriend also has a bruise and she says that um, it's not varnish back there, it's something else and there's lots of these like little loose loose ends that you are trying to frantically put together is is that the body back there are they have they murdered someone is, is the scratching on the door actually the dog uh wh- why is the dog constantly shaking its head and all of these little things which turn out to be well i guess they're not necessarily uh nothing because you can obviously make your own interpretations out of them but they're not directly involved in the telling of the story Um, It's because the story at its core is just a socially isolated person who isn't very good with people who's just been on his own and was beating himself up because he couldn't get a girl's number and just uh, imagines a whole life with her and ends up dying alone um, and there's nothing inherently sinister about that, apart from it's a bit creepy. But it's, I, I was, I, I was encapsulated by the way that it constantly threw these bits of bait, which just turned out to be loose ends. I don't know how you. Well, you think about that's that,
1: kind of like part of the theme of searching for a meaning that isn't there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Coffin quite likes to have these <laughs> depressing existential stuff in it. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, w- one of them is the theme of loneliness because obviously there's that poem that she says she wrote well you know she's a figment of his imagination so she says she wrote that poem about coming home and still being lonely and it kind of makes everything else seem more depressing and that you know thinking back of it is kind of like him not wanting to escape his fantasy and trying to stop it from falling to pieces like when she finds the book that that poem is from that she thought she'd written or realizing that the photo of Jake looks a lot like her and that she, and it's almost like he doesn't want to accept that that his life is what it is it what it is he doesn't want to go home because he'll be lonely even if there's a wife there or a wife shaped hole
0: yeah yeah something that i found quite interesting was despite the fact that a lot of the time it sort of forefronts the, the perspective of what she called, like, the young woman. She's actually remains anonymous throughout, or she's given, like, unreliable names that keep on fluctuating. But even though she is sort of presented as the protagonist, it's actually an exploration of um, the, hus- the boyfriend as a character, and, like, all of it are his imaginings. Even though, like, just from seeing the trailers and stuff, you'd think that... It'd be her that... Uh, it would, like, be looking at
1: how she reacts to the world. Yeah, because you, you assume, you know, the mantra I'm thinking of ending things is kind of her wanting to break off the relationship between her and Jake. But then, obviously, because she is part of Jake's imagination, it could really be Jake contemplating, uh, you know, ending his life because maybe he feels as though he's lonely and doesn't have any meaning and he wants to end things and doesn't, you know, have any memory left. Yeah. That's like another thing that's explored. But I think moving on from kind of the story, although we can definitely go back to it because there's just so much to talk about because so many things happen and they could be interpreted so many different ways. But I mean, these moments couldn't be done as well without like the... I mean, the acting was really good. There. there wasn't really anything I could falter. I mean, Jesse Plemons as Jake. I, I really like Jesse Plemons. Uh, I think I first saw him in Breaking Bad as Todd, which he's kind of like an an idiot, but also a, like a psychopath in that, and he's terrifying. And in the Black Mirror episode, USS Callister, he's also a manipulating sociopath. So he's usually very scary. And in this, he kind of manages to have... He he. Although he seems harmless, he there's uh, there's points where he seems quite threatening, such as literally just correcting his mother on the use of like the genus and genius edition, and yeah. when he gets uh, really annoyed at, I can't remember what, but he, like slamming the steering wheel. So he's good at that, and obviously, uh it's oh she's also called Jessie that who plays the young woman. I've forgotten her surname now, um. Which Ben will look up for me. <laughs> she is really good. It kind of just always looks terrified and really awkward, doesn't want to be there, but, but confused at what's going on. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. She's got like the contemplative faces and stuff like that. So she's great as well. Yeah. And then Tony Collette as the kind of just insane mother who tries to break the tension too much by just hysterically cackling at everything and then mm. there's the like slightly out of touch father played by David Thewlis uh, who probably most famous role is Professor Lupin in Harry Potter uh, I and mean, he's really good at it as well and has, I think he's a bit less menacing than normal but he's it makes up for it by that he's this kind of strange character that you have no idea what's going on from him so although technically his performance is less threatening just the way his character is presented border makes up for that.
0: I like the like the characters of the parents because it's it's like a biased take on them from their son like imagining or reimagining oh, yeah. them. So like the fact that he's always got this sort of menacing presence and then she seems like I don't know, just sort of like quite ignorant at times and quite stupid. That's almost... It might not necessarily be entirely accurate, but I think they do a great job of capturing this idea of, like, memory.
2: Yeah. I guess that that definitely makes sense, because in a sense, she was sort of a caricature. Like, the way she was always constantly laughing at just about everything for, like, 20 seconds, then abruptly stopping, and the overwhelming ignorance she had of like him correcting her uh, definitely seemed like the sort of thing a biased son would imagine their parents to be in like their own fantasies Yeah, um, and I guess the dad he's sort of like portrayed as a bit like well not like useless but just like clueless I guess and especially like just down to little things like when the girlfriend was In his childhood bedroom, she was just like, um, no, he was offering her to um, some stuff to wear for, uh, for for the bed that um, she was very much not interested in, and he was adamant that he'd do it, and was talking about uh, the stuff that they could do in the bed, um, her and the boyfriend, (laughs) and keeping this PG. (laughs) (laughs) But I I thought
0: that was quite. Weird because, from like some of the promotional stuff I'd seen, I thought that it would all be set in this farmhouse place, yeah. and mm-hmm. he'd sort of be this enigma that. Well, I sort of thought thought that he'd be central to the plot in some way, or at least something to do with the house or the parents. But um, it's never it's never actually about that. It's never actually. It doesn't.
1: It's not necessarily horror, but it's psychological horror. Yeah. yeah. One thing I found interesting is that um, the girl. I just want to remind you that she isn't given a full character name, so yeah. <laughs> there's a reason we're just calling her like young woman or girlfriend.
2: Yeah. yeah. I need to remember the boyfriend's called Jake. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: is that she is supposed to be Jake's ideal girl? Like it's even said right at the start and talking about one of William Wordsworth's poem about Lucy, who's supposed to be the ideal woman, and then he says that she is also uh, ideal. And so he, he, you know, she's supposed to be his ideal woman, but she's still into him and she kind of wants to leave him still. And it kind of shows you that maybe his insecurities are so high that he feels the perfect woman for him wouldn't even be interested which kind of shows up even more of his loneliness and how he felt isolated, which is actually what the farmhouse could be about and the constant blizzard. You can never see the outside world. You know, there's yeah. all these... And you're just secluded on a farm in the middle of nowhere, as uh, his girlfriend keeps saying. Yeah, she also has a line
0: near the end where she's, like, "He just describing him as, like, this creep or whatever, which sort of embodies the fact that He, As you were saying, even his ideal woman, supposedly, still doesn't view him in a particularly good light.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Now I think about it, a lot of her... Well, um, especially towards the start of the film, a lot of her lines were spoken in this monologue, which was sort of her thoughts happening in her head. And she'd like say something, she'd say... Jake's a nice guy but I don't want to be with him and he would suddenly interrupt her every single time without fail That—that's now I think about it that's kind of reminiscent of if you're thinking about something and then your mind sort of wanders off to think about the actual consequences of it and then you just suddenly bring it back to oh uh, just bring it back to what you were talking about yeah like it's him thinking about his ideal girl but then he starts to think oh but she wouldn't be into me she'd want to leave me and then that's him effort um actually making an effort to regrasp his hold on this fantasy yeah. it's definitely interesting like
0: thinking back at past like earlier in the film and that would probably be the same if you re-watched it or re- or read the book or whatever knowing the outcome and mm-hmm. which which is good to say that it nev- there's never really that explicit moment where there's the big reveal that they're the same person or anything like that it's just it's subtle and it's sort of nuanced and spread throughout the whole film but I think that's probably why there'd be a criticism of the convenience in the book because everything comes together in that big shock factor, which is something that's avoided in the film, but it's still effective if it makes you view the rest of the film in a different way.
1: Yeah. And and I'm just trying to figure out the, you know, the voice that keeps going on about there's like, one question to oh, answer. And I, yeah. I'm trying to figure out what that could be if the question was that, you know, if she's real or what. I'm sure you could figure it out if you watch. it that Is that the, on the phone?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it pops up near the start of the film, you kind of hear parts of it, then it's on the phone. I think at one point is there, it might even be on like the radio or something. Yeah. Or it happens near the end as like,
2: well. Genuine question, do you, did you recognise the voice? Was it, like, the janitor or...? him or something because i couldn't recognize the voice no one
1: one voice i did recognize though was the pig i i don't mean i recognize it as one of their characters i just think i know the voice actor but i can't put my finger on it um oh talking of actors uh did you find out what he's called oh jesse buckley is the actor of the young woman but the the pig like has a very brief
0: line at the start um when she's driving and when they're driving in the car and then something like come with me or something like that and that's what I, yeah. that's what I mean when I say like there's references and subtleties throughout that that co- sort of culminate in the conclusion to the film and sort of enhance the rest of it in a way
1: yeah there's, I've there's loads of things Oh, yeah, the shot that's using the poster is a really good shot. That yeah, I think it happens after she says something, and there's kind of silence. And even though she's at a dinner table with the family, it's kind of quite a wide shot, and with only her, and it, it looks quite lonely. But you know, before I was thinking, oh, well, it kind of shows her isolation. But obviously, she's a figment of Jake's of Jake's imagination. So yeah. I don't really know what I was expecting going into this but
0: just from what I'd seen it wasn't necessarily this Yeah. and yeah I mean in my opinion this is probably the weirdest film if you can call it that and that we've probably done an episode on but then in the same time it's good that there's still a lot to talk about and obviously because it's up to your interpretation, then it enables that debate.
1: Yeah, one thing, it is good that it doesn't have that wrapped up ending and kind of loose themes, because sometimes, obviously, bigger films can always talk down to its audience and not let people interpret things from it. So it's it's always good to let people figure it out themselves. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking... The set design seems like really specific. There's all the, because f- doesn't all the wallpaper have floral patterns on, and they're really yeah. like saturated colours.
2: I'm trying to work out where I recognise that from. It's not like a trope, but I feel I've seen it. That sort of patterned wallpaper and like similar psychological horror maybe In The Shining. <laughs> I don't it know. might have been The Shining. <laughs> I don't know. It's got that vibe. Yeah, like it was. It wasn't cliched, but it was enough to sort of make your mind make that connection that something's wrong. If that makes sense,
1: I wonder if it changed, like the wallpaper in the rooms, and we didn't notice. But also, it could have just stayed the same. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of things that sort of changed, but
0: things that you won't necessarily notice. Yeah, like at times, as as we mentioned, like the woman would switch out for somebody else. Yeah. And like the plaster and stuff like that.
2: Mm.
0: Which I assume is um decision they made rather than just
1: continuity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I also assume that the changing ages of the parents wasn't a continuity error. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Maybe they just accidentally changing put name all that of the makeup girl was on. just
2: bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I was the wrong actor there. Oh <laughs> whoops. Although we couldn't get uh, Jesse Buckley and for the show to <laughs> just get a, a double, you know? Ah, uh, they're both ginger, no one's noticed. Wait, we run out of budget for the rest of the film. Well, we'll just add a random <laughs> dream sequence in. I wonder how they're going to...
1: It's it's always interesting in films on Netflix, how do they figure out if it's been successful or not? Because there's no box office.
2: I think it's just the number of views. I... I haven't actually looked up before if they're public. Because
1: sometimes Netflix do limited, like really limited theatre releases, which is usually just so that they have the chance of being nominated at the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, I guess this is something that, you know, has the potential to be nominated at the Oscars. Obviously, it's really good, but also kind of has that Oscar feeling, unless it's too weird. I I can't remember what the Oscars are like. Well, but. But
0: do you say, or what would you probably say is the best film you've, like, the best 2020 release? Because I think this has got to be up there just because... Not there's be not been
1: yeah. here Well, I think they've <laughs> delayed the Oscars, I believe. But I mean, there, there must have been some films released at the start of the year that I can't remember.
2: Yeah, but I, I can't think of any.
1: I mean, When was Onward released? <laughs> that might have been at the end of 2019. Yeah. Um. The, the 2020 pre-pandemic
0: it's just sort of oh <laughs> like, <laughs> like Optimus,
2: <laughs> Hamilton uh <laughs> Justice League Dark League Dark- oh Artemis I mean, Fowl Artemis terrible yes. reviews was that before although I no
0: that's been Artemis Fowl
2: seems to be the only one I've actually heard of that Scoob isn't... was
0: definitely released
1: during
2: the lockdown I remember that
1: oh Birds of Prey I didn't see that, but... that
2: oh yeah that, that was
1: released in cinemas I think yeah
2: yeah, and then there's just, like, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020. That must have been 2019. Obviously, Tenet. It was 2020, apparently. apparently. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: Tenet, so, obviously. Yeah, I well, haven't for me, seen it's probably Tenet, the so. best,
0: because I don't even know if I've seen any of those films. Well, I'm thinking
2: of ending things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I mean, obviously I haven't seen... Competition.
1: No, Scuba's
2: a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> I mean, it must be the only film I've actually seen in 2020 that was made in, or like released in 2020, because yeah. I haven't seen any of those films and I haven't seen Tenet. Yeah. So, um, but on a, but like I would say it was a great film, so I'm mm. kind of happy with saying it's the best one of 2020. I, I would rank
1: it above Tenet.
2: Yeah. Definitely,
1: I think, yeah. Mm. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Film yeah. of the year. Out of the two uh, and that's worthy <laughs> right. of excellence yeah. 2020. <laughs>
2: what won it in 2018? Logan, I think. I think so. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. To Logan. be fair, though, I kind of stand by that because Logan's pretty good. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I'm sure there's better films came out in 2018. Yeah, but, but we only watched comic book films in Star Wars. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, <laughs> I think. Three billboards may have come out in 2018. but uh... No,
0: but we were ranking stuff in
2: 2017. Yeah, right? it was the, the, the 2018 awards for the previous year. Oh,
1: no, well, I think Three Billboards came out in 2017, 2018. It was around that time. Yeah, so, uh... yeah
2: but we only watched comic book films. And That's Star true. Wars. <laughs> and I didn't and even watch Home Star too. Wars.
1: <laughs> Daddy's Home 2.
2: <laughs> Wait, Daddy's Home 2 was actually on there. What did it win?
0: Like, Worst Actor, Worst Film. Oh, oh okay. Like worst Never moment. mind.
2: John Cena. Do we cool. wrap up our thoughts about this? So There's yeah. a
1: lot of things maybe you, the viewers, have interpretations you could put in the comments below.
2: Yeah, that would be groovy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, overall, I thought it was... Well, the way I went into it was very different to what, the way I came out of it, because obviously as you're going into it, you're trying to piece all the puzzle together, and Kaufman's, like... Obviously, playing on that with all these loose ends, and you know, coming out of it, I wasn't. It was very different, but I've, I, I wasn't disappointed, and I quite enjoy it in retrospect. And probably at some point, I'll watch it again. Uh, it's, it's kind of a shame it's a Netflix ex- Netflix exclusive. I'd consider maybe getting a DVD if it was like Ooh. cheap. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, I guess well just whacked the mic <laughs> <laughs> Ben's been whacking his mic a lot this episode yeah I've managed to mute it a couple of times i whack it all the time uh, well do either of you have anything to say before um, we give I'm ratings?
1: thinking it's one of those where it's kind of it is really weird but I knew that I knew it was going to be weird because Charlie Kaufman I wasn't fully sure what it was going to be like but I thought it was going to be more about these weird parents um, and it's just like When you're watching it, you're like, what? (laughs) This is really weird. And then when you finish it, you're like, actually, that was really good. (laughs) Yeah. I really liked that bit. (laughs) It's so, it's definitely one to stick with. I don't don't know. I I really liked it. It's just kind of one of those use a word that was used in the film and by Ollie. It's ineffable. Where can I grab it? I can't. It's (laughs) (laughs) ungrabbable. But I mean, Uh,
0: for me, like, I've seen a lot of reviews. Of people criticizing it, a lot of people saying that they'd wish they'd read the book, which I don't necessarily agree with because to me it sounds like it's 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 very different in terms of like the ending with the book, and it tries to leave it open, open ended and up to interpretation, um, and like this, well not the start, but a lot of the scenes were sort of... They were so awkward and tense that they weren't necessarily enjoyable as such, but they were still very engrossing. Yeah. Um. I don't think... Well, I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as being John Malkovich, but that's quite a high bar, seeing as that's an 8.3.
1: Yeah. Um. I thought it was really good at being unsettling, like with loads of different ways, long shots. Yeah. Small aspect ratio, random interruptions of people, strange happenings, and then also the themes go on top of that and really good shots. Uh, I think I would give it a solid eight. Ooh.
2: Ooh. Um, I definitely give it an eight. I'm considering possibly going a little bit higher. (gasps) I'd... See, I'm not sure quite about eight point three. That's too much. I, I think I like I enjoyed being John Malkovich more, but it's hard to compare them because they're different films. Yeah. Um, eight hmm. I'm I'm deciding between one and two. This <laughs> very, so tense. <laughs> is this gonna be the
0: point where you say eight point one, and then Tom's like, "Oh my god, that is <laughs> so much higher than
2: mine." I'm gonna go. 8.1 <gasps> <laughs> I'm sorry did I rate it too high?
1: No you rated it too low. <laughs> <laughs> um, I
0: I don't think I'm going to give
1: it Holly's going to give it 5.3. Why <laughs> am I being so <laughs> I, I
2: have like to move just... the, the list of ratings down <laughs> Robot Monsters 4.1 if you want that reference. Better
1: than or worse than Kangaroo Jack?
2: Well <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at sort of like
0: birdemic level. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but some more on the five mark. <laughs> no, I think I'm going to go 7.7. 7.
2: I you feel like
0: I'm being so tight lately. Point but... 0.1 more, just to give it a nice. Eight. Okay, I'll give it a 7.8. Oh, same as
2: Marriage
1: Story, though. Same as same as Black Panther. <laughs> In, on average. Yeah.
2: Right, right, we're. Round, oh, it's 7.96, so uh, pretty much.
1: I thought you, I thought you 8.28 and 7.8, 8. that should point make one. 8, It was
2: 8.1. Oh. I'll
1: oh,
0: go no, back man. down to 7.7. I'll then. go up to
2: 8.2. What? <laughs> <laughs> what,
1: are you, what? <laughs> what are the ratings?
0: All right, so I... mine's a 7.1. 7.7. Yeah, <laughs> 7.
2: <laughs> 7. 7. 7.1. 7.1. <laughs> All right, Tom was 8. I was 8.1. That is 28.3. Divided by 3 is 7.93. So just leave it that at 7.9. Yeah, there we go. There you so, go. That's better than Stalker oh, is that and... that 7.9? It is indeed. Yay! We don't have to go into two decimal places yet. <laughs> Currently taking fifth place, but that could very well change in a couple of episodes' time. If you tune in. We have, we'll have more to come on that, which we'll be announcing via the mailing list and social medias, which you can follow us on. Most of all, if you are a creator and you want your work featured on the podcast, we don't have any today, but we've we run a submission spotlight section, and we are now, whack the mic again, <laughs> going to be changing up the submission spotlight section a little bit, in that we're not just going to be reviewing your work, but if you're okay with it, we're happy to have you on for a quick discussion, so if you'd like to talk about your own work, then we're happy to do that. We can do it live if you want or pre-record it if it's a more suitable time for you. So just shoot us an email or DM us on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at EOV podcast, or we'll use the contact form on the website or just leave a comment, whatever, wherever you want to do. Yeah. If you make any form of entertainment, we can sort of talk about, if that's like short movies, music, um, we have a, Game developer, if you, if you have a game that we could do. Uh, if you have... Poetry was one, which was odd, but we could technically do. We'd probably rather you don't write fan fictions, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we might consider it. Yeah, Just uh, send your work in, and we're happy to have a look at it. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, we're getting desperate. So I'm thinking that there's been some recent film news... Indeed, We talked about the Oscars a bit ago on this episode, but there's been news that to be nominated for Best Picture, there are now some diversity categories you have to meet, which uh, I'm slightly concerned about the way that that some news sites have been portraying this, because I only saw headlines first, and then we later looked into it, and actually on the Oscars website and the criteria you have to meet the way that news sites put it, it was making it sound like to be nominated for Best Picture, it has to be focused on an LGBT issue. And 30% of the cast has to be racially diverse, but it's actually a lot more lenient than that. I mean, obviously it's not a problem to have films on social issues, such as racism or, uh, you know, sexual identity and things like that. They're always important to have but, you know, you don't want to force all films to fit that. Um, but actually, the categories are a lot more lenient. You have to... there. Are, there's four standards. There's standard A, B, C and D. And you have to meet two of them. And standard A is the one that has made the news quite uh, a lot about on-screen representation and themes. But you only actually have to meet one criteria, such as uh, A, lead actor or significant supporting actor, being from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group or having at least 30% of all actors uh, in the general ensemble being from at least two underrepresented groups. One of the groups, by the way, is women. So it's, (laughs) It's you know... It's things like that, and or, or having a kind of social issue as is the main subject matter, such as uh, you know about women or racial ethnic groups, LGBTQ plus, or having cognitive or physical disabilities. Yeah. Um. So that's just standard A, and then there's things like B, which is about department heads being a representative of um racial groups and you know LGBTQ plus people or just key roles. And then standard C is about bringing people from uh, different backgrounds into the industry, such as internship opportunities and training opportunities. And then D is uh, representation within the marketing and publicity team. And it's basically, you know, I, I won't take the kind of over the top news ways of portraying it where it says films now have to be diverse what what it really means is if you're not meeting two of these criteria it's there's probably some kind of exclusion going on so i think it's actually a good thing they've implemented this i i'm say it's a step in the right direction yeah, i definitely think it's a step in the right direction especially after
0: like last year's oscars seemed to be quite yeah. heavily dominated by white men pretty much yes, yeah um, definitely but i I don't necessarily like how they like delineate these categories into underrepresented underrepresented or minorities. I think it should be more I don't really know how this could be done because I think there'll always be ways of big film developers sort of um getting around these things. Yeah. But I think it it should be more seamless in the way that it should be rewarded for a piece of a good piece of cinema and really you shouldn't really be thinking too heavily about who who's shown or what the story is because I don't necessarily like how uh, some things are sort of like that take Black Panther like people sort of say oh that's good because it's got this these themes of um, showing these underrepresented groups but really it's not necessarily because of that it's just because it's a good story and that's sort of that's sort of a secondary thing
2: yeah Mm. i mean my my views i'm kind of conflicted because obviously i was really annoyed when i first heard the headlines and the media as always is blowing out of proportion it's like a lot of places are sort of portraying it as Oh well, if you're not diverse and you don't have all these um, underrepresented groups, then we're just not going to allow you. Which sounds like it's focusing more on like a political message than the films. But like when you actually read the conditions, it's like it, it's not impossible. But like if you just left things to their own devices, given the proportions of people in the industry, like it would be very hard not to naturally sort of hit most of these like especially when it's like um category standard a1 so it's a2 with the general ensemble cast um just one of these is like at least 30 percent of all actors in secondary or more minor roles are from uh at least two of the groups women racial or ethnic group which in itself that's pretty hard not to hit, especially given like most films are made in America, which has like a lot of, well, women, obviously, <laughs> um, and like black people, uh, Latino people, Hispanic people, uh, native American people, all of these different things. It would be hard not to sort of hit these. And whilst I guess you could make an argument either way, but it sort of does, indicate that there would be some discrimination going on if you didn't hit these. But yeah, like Ollie was saying, like it it's it's a good thing, especially with like helping these people which like get grasp a foothold in what's traditionally a a male and white dominated industry. Um I'm not like a huge fan of like viewing it through that lens. I think you should still be sort of looking at it to create the best piece of cinema possible. Yeah, I don't know. It's like especially but I guess the way it's obviously been thought through very carefully because um a lot of people historically have said about a lot about like actors on screen. But this is talking about behind the scenes as well. And it's not just like even the directors, it's um standard where's it gone? Like C it's just internships, apprenticeships, standard B two is just technical positions such as like gaffer, AD script supervisor. Yeah, it's really it's not just focusing on what you can see; it's focusing on behind the screen as well. But which...
0: that's, I feel like that's what why some companies will just sort of tick those boxes. Yeah. Um, but I feel that like introducing this, it doesn't necessarily. Like you should really just look at someone. And think, oh, they're a good actor or they're a good actress. It doesn't really matter whether they're part of these things, these groups, and it's difficult to enforce. But I think it would, it in an ideal world, this should just happen more naturally, which I definitely think it is, but maybe not to the extent that that you'd want it to. Yeah, mm, I think
1: I'm, I think it's uh, definitely a good thing because. You know, I agree with Ollie picking the best actor, but I think instead of thinking... It's the same kind of idea with affirmative action. Instead of thinking they're now going to choose actors because of their race, it's actually trying to prevent people doing that, where before they may have picked a story or actor because it was, you know, a white male and they're easily marketable. And it's kind Mm. of trying to stop the discrimination and just hiring people because they're white, whether it's subconscious or not, you know, some, obviously some people are just kind of blatantly racist, but (laughs) there are, there are subconscious biases that come into play. So I think it's just trying to discourage that and step forwards. And I have actually heard that, you know, sometimes you, you may not understand this, which is perfectly fine, but representation for minority groups is that can actually be really important just as, someone to look up to and so I think this is definitely a step in the right direction and it's just more trying to stop discrimination and make things more representative and it's not you know going to be catastrophic or anything like some people may say you know just kind of fear-mongering yeah yeah
2: and like Ollie said like in an ideal world this wouldn't be necessary and I think definitely we're headed that way. Uh, there's a, obviously a lot more people um, of these minority groups that are in these roles, but I guess we're really just not at that stage yet. And I guess this is an attempt to make a step in the right direction. Which as long as it's as long as it's done carefully and the way it's set out is quite fair, it doesn't look like it's going to impact the story too much and yeah. everything. Um, just as long... <laughs> the problem is people, you really need to... I'd encourage the, v- the viewers or listeners if to just, just sort of look this up yourself. Um, I'm happy to include a link in the description. Just, like, if you hear anyone talking about it and fear-mongering, like, just... It would be useful if you could, like, set, the, set them straight, because a lot of this will just be drilled up by the media for clicks. Mm. Yeah. Because, like... triggering the conservatives is obviously like guaranteed clicks
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. but something else you were saying about obviously it's a little bit more difficult to hide if you're um, like from a racial minority or if you're a woman or whatever but like some the LGBT community like some people don't necessarily want to publicly disclose that Yeah, and a lot of well quite a lot of the film like the if you had a film about those sort of issues, that might be quite prevalent, the fact that it's sort of hidden. So it's quite difficult to have these categories. Sometimes people might not be comfortable or whatever in in admitting to whatever it is.
2: Yeah. There's also the side that I mean, it's. I suppose it's less of a concern in the big picture, but just on an individual level, people might not like to be boxed in because of these categories. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot you could say about it, and I guess it's just worth having that yeah. conversation rather than just <laughs> taking things by headline alone and yeah, all of that stuff. Uh, my
1: only, what I do hope is that this means they're going to take scripts from writers that are from kind of minority groups about their struggles rather than getting the already employed like white male writers to write about issues that they don't really know about so hopefully that doesn't happen yeah and also Um, hopefully we haven't
0: offended anyone we do think this is a good idea we just think that it shouldn't it it shouldn't have to happen
2: yeah in an ideal world we wouldn't be necessary but yeah but obviously, this isn't an ideal world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, bye. Everyone. <laughs>
1: yeah, mm. Charlie will making everyone depressed. Yeah,
2: I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> oh, sorry, this this episode. White well, male writer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, for uh, one. But it's okay because
1: little... it's an imagined woman, so that's what it's like. Man writing about yeah. a woman. There you go. We got one little uh, new thing, don't we?
2: Yeah, we do. So um, previous episodes, we've kind of just reached the conclusion that we only announce what the episode's going to be the day before on, like, the <laughs> mailing list and, social- and occasionally on social media. That doesn't give you enough time to watch it. So yeah. we're going to give you a whole week... Whoa! ...to watch- to prepare for this next episode.
0: The majority of stuff we do tends to be on Netflix or quite easily accessible. Like Obviously, we have, like, uh, links to... I'll watch everything in the description but a lot of it is on netflix so if you have netflix then you should it should be quite easy to find
2: yeah and i post links to a site called just watch which basically just gives you a list of all of the services it's on so if you don't have netflix it might be on like amazon or like uh, sky or channel 4 or something
1: come on then ben stop teasing us what (laughs) film is it
2: we are watching the two popes which is a netflix exclusive so again (laughs) so if you if you don't have netflix then i guess you could get the trial maybe um but otherwise you're not really going to be able to watch it
1: there might be physical copies netflix sometimes do that have a look around yeah
2: Okay. Well, I can't
1: wait to uh, watch slash record the episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've definitely not already done it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've done
2: these last two episodes in reverse order, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So anyway, because you'll this find... is relevant. So we'll
0: get views.
2: Yeah. You'll find more of this behind the scenes stuff on the mailing list, which you can subscribe to at our entertainment of excellence. site. Um, you can find a lot of exclusives there and have access to the schedule uh, to see what we would, we'll be doing. And also the recommendations master list. Unfortunately, we didn't have recommendations this week, but I can tell you we will next week because we already did them. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on social media. Like and subscribe as much as I hate saying that. Turn on the notification bell. Leave a review. Send, send us a message. Tell us how we can improve. That would be very nice. Yes. Thank you. Leave a comment saying first. <laughs> no <laughs> Okay <laughs> Alright Alright see you. Alright see ya, All right, see ya. See ya.